and welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name is Armando, aka Hot Tech Mondo, and I'm joined by my friend Reese, aka the Reese Incarnate Bach Lesnar. And today we're going to do a Super Bowl preview. That's right, the Chiefs are back in the Super Bowl. I know we just talked about this in our previous podcast, but we can't say it enough, man. The Kansas City Chiefs, three. Sorry, in the past five years, Kansas City Chiefs have been in three Super Bowls now. It's it's so amazing, and we're so fired up. This is going to be such a great matchup for the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes is not 100%, but he's pretty healthy, and we have such a great team this year. Our defense is peaking at the right time, so this is going to be a great show. For those of you that are joining us for the first time, we are a Kansas City Chiefs podcast, and what, what makes us stand out uh, past some other podcasts that are also in Kansas City that talk about the Chiefs, what we also do is we also review beers and we talk about craft beers. Reese and I were both in the craft beer industry, uh, Reese in Kansas City, myself in Colorado, and we had a really great time. If you go back to our recent podcasts, um, you can find us all over the place. Reese will talk about it soon. Uh, but we have podcasts where we talk to a beer industry specialists. We talked, we do interviews with people in craft beer that make the beer or in marketing. And we, we've actually talked to sports athletes as well. So a lot of great content that we give here. And, and first and foremost, Reese and I are best buds. This is a family pod. We have such a great time on this pod. So without further ado, Reese, how are you doing? And and tell us about your your journey this week because talk about the Michael Jordan flu game. This is going to be the Reese's podcast flu game. Oh my gosh. So first off, I apologize to everybody on the fact that the last two live streams you've been going to have in the last calendar year, I've had to cancel the day before for various reasons. The first was drafts on drafts, which we canceled because my wife got called into work to do something and I couldn't manage, what was it, a four-month-old puppy? If he was even, no, he may have been three months old at that point, plus run the live stream, plus do all that stuff. It just wasn't happening. This week, however, as Armando alluded to, uh, was going to be the equivalent of the Michael Jordan flu game. My wife and I both woke up Monday morning sick as a dog. Well, actually, no, my wife woke up sick as a dog. I had kind of been feeling queasy in the middle of the night, but I got bad reflux sometimes when I lie down. So I'm like, oh, it's probably just my reflux. So I take Bowie out at the park at 6 a.m. You know, we do a lap around the track. We play fetch for like 45 minutes. I come back. My wife's on the couch. I'm like, you know what? I'm feeling kind of run down too. Like, eh, it just wasn't one of those mornings. So I put Bowie down in his crate for his morning nap as is per custom. And Noel's already called into work. I'm lying down. I kind of drift off to sleep after watching an episode of The Office. And I wake up like 20 minutes later. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to throw up. So I get up and I run to the bathroom, dude. And I'll tell you what, this was from the, the straight up, what's the Italian word? The grembles? Yeah, man. Oh, just no. From, from me grembos, dude. And I just, something was going to happen and it happened. And I say this is a big deal for me because I have thrown up twice in the last 20 years. Twice. Really? Yeah. In eighth grade, I was sick as a dog for about three days. Uh, The second time was, this is where I'm pulling into Fountain City Sports Media. The second time was the Cincinnati curse. So now everybody here thinks that like the Bengals cursed the Chiefs and Cincinnati had our number, you know, just in the last last calendar year. Couldn't be farther from the truth. I know everybody here is anxious to hear about my sickness history. So guess what? I'm so glad you tuned into this podcast. So this was 2014. No, this would have been fall 2013. So my super senior year of undergrad. And I had just come back from, it was probably a 
four-day audition tour in Chicago. And I had to come back. And my next audition was in Cincinnati for an opera studio. Right. I remember this. Oh, it's a good story. So it's for an opera studio, which I knew I wasn't going to get into because they'd say I was too young and I should go to grad school. But, you know, you have to do these, you know, auditions to, you know, kiss the ring, build rapport, all that stuff. So my dad says, well, you just got back from a long trip to Chicago. I don't want you driving like, I think it's about eight and a half hours Cincinnati from Cedar Falls, Iowa. And he's like, I don't want you driving that alone. How about I come with you? We road trip it. And I'm like, you know what? That sounds great. So we drive to West Lafayette, Indiana the first night, which is, I think about eh, give or take six hours of the journey. We go to Burger King. I can still picture that gosh dang Burger King. And the next morning, Whopper, 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 the Whopper, whopper curse started here that too. Whopper, Whopper. Uh, so anyway, all I got was food poisoning, food poisoning, food poisoning, food poisoning. Because I woke up at <laughs> six a.m. and I'm just like, yo, it feels like there's a spike in my stomach. And I go to the bathroom and I do like the saddest little throw up. Everyone's like, eh. and that's all it was. So I'm like, I got to cancel this audition, dude. Cincinnati's still two hours away driving. You know, I feel like crap. I'm lying in bed. I am miserable. I cancel. And my dad says, you know what? I Do you think you're good enough to sing one aria for him? And I'm like, I don't know, maybe possibly. He goes, I think you're good enough that you could go in there, rally, sing one aria and tell them that's all you have. And I'm like, you know what? That's totally fair. I've already called and canceled. I'll call and tell him I'll rally. So your dad's got that dog in him, dude. He's got that. He's built different, man. He's got that coal miner mindset. So anyway, I call and uncancel my edition. Like, yeah, we'll get you in like very last edition of the day at like 450. So we hop in the car. I down literally probably twice the amount of Pepto-Bismol I should. And I'm just lying, reclined in the CRV, (laughs) just miserable, miserable. And we get there, and I'm like, all right, I still feel sick, but I can do this. I can go on there. I'm like, what's my easiest aria in my package? And it was like, voli colasu a tromba from uh, whatever that Hendel aria is. So it's, it's very mm-hmm. mid-tempo, like that kind of thing. Easy, right? So I get through the A section, and then towards the end of the B section on my cadenza, all of a sudden, I get that feeling in my stomach of, oh my <laughs> gosh, you're going to throw up. And this is a nightmare. Oh, no. You never want to throw up on stage. <laughs> so I, so I'm supposed to be singing about my daughter's wedding and how happy she is and how happy I am as a you know future father-in-law. And like I just look like I like I'm watching someone like strangle my dog in front of me basically. And I'm like, how am I gonna make it through? And I'm gripping the piano. And right as they hit that final cadence chord, they're like, "Are you okay?" And I'm like, "No." And they go, "Run!" And I ran off stage, grabbed a trash can, and just like. Ralphed as hard as I ever have in my life. <laughs> my dad's like, I'm proud of you. You made it through it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, why did I listen to you? That's the worst experience of my life. And this company was recording the audition. So this exists somewhere in the archives if you really want to look it up. I bet Kyle could get access to this footage if he really wanted to. Oh my gosh. Please don't. All that to say, that's when the Cincinnati curse started because I threw up Skyline or what looked like Skyline at least all (laughs) over the CCM bathroom, dude. And it was bad. So that was the second time I had puked in 20 years. This is, uh, sorry, this is the second time I've puked in 20 years. The second time I've puked in 20 years. So that's my story. Wow. Wow. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you like what you hear, (laughs) you can donate on Patreon. Reese. 
How can how can they donate to this podcast? Now, I know you're thinking, well, we came here to talk about Kansas City Chiefs. Don't worry, fans. We're going to get to it. We just love to do our personal anecdotes to kind of bring you in because you're our friends, too. It's like it's like we're sitting on the couch. We've cracked open a beer. And we're chatting, right? Reese has told me this story on the on the couch with a beer as well. Um, before Reese tells us the social media blurb, I also would like to bring to your attention that we are in the top 30% of all podcasts on Spotify when it comes to listened podcasts. So, I mean, I wouldn't say we're a huge deal, but we're a pretty big deal. So we love this podcast. We're proud of it. Reese, how can people contribute to this podcast and find us on social media? If you want to contribute to my Pedialyte fund for my recovery efforts, you can go to patreon.com backslash FCSM to get access to outtakes, bonus episodes, exclusive beer reviews, and exclusive mini-series in including Speedy and Angry, our 10-part in-depth deep dive into the Fast and Furious franchise. Uh, we're still waiting for the Fast 9 episode. My sickness and the Super Bowl has thrown everything off of schedule. So Alex, the Red Russian, Nikolenko, and I will be getting to that post-haste. That is patreon.com backslash F-C-S-M. Otherwise, go check us out on Instagram at FountainCitySM if you want the latest on sports memes, Kansas City Chiefs culture, and previews of this week's episode. All right, thank you, Reese. Okay, um, so why don't we why don't we jump right into it, Reese? So last week, if you haven't listened to our podcast before, check out that previous podcast because we go into detail about how the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Bengals and just barely, honestly. And um, and we, and we go through our defensive schemes, our offensive schemes. So listen to that. That was a precursor to this podcast. I feel like you know we're going to talk about the success of this Kansas City Chiefs team and especially in the Bengals game and how that's going to translate into the Super Bowl. So Reese, let's get right to it. You know what? Let's start out. Let's start out hot, Reese. Let's start out hot. This Philadelphia Eagles team is fool's gold. Fool's gold. Absolute fool's gold, Reese. I am not buying anything that they're selling. Well, I am buying some of it, but I, I think my biggest contention with this team is how national media perceives the Philadelphia Eagles. Right now, the, the Philadelphia Eagles are the favorites to win the Super Bowl. And the amount of disrespect that Andy Reid is getting, that Patrick Mahomes is getting, because of a, a new darling team of Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni whipping the Brock Purdy, the Josh Johnson 49ers, and the, um, and the Daniel Jones New York Giants is it, it, it's absurd Reese and I think that's my biggest gripe it may not be because I think the Eagles are bad but I think it's it's just how people think that the Eagles are going to win and it's not just like one or two people ESPN has a list out right now it's about 30 analysts right now that think that the Eagles are going to win and some of them have blowout scores Reese and I'm trying to wrap my mind around what are they seeing that I am not seeing? And I swear to you, I don't have rose gold glasses. Like you and I have talked about Joe Burrow and how, you know, we think he's a game manager 2.0. But even when you and I talk about that, we do bring it back. We bring up evidence. We even bring up things that like Joe Burrow has even said about his own gameplay. And that's kind of what I'm seeing with this Eagles team. I don't see how they are the clear favorites. Yes, of course, maybe if we played them 100 times, they win, I don't know, 40 times, let's say. 
But how, Reese, explain to me how national media sees them as the clear favorites when you have Andy freaking Reed and Patrick freaking Mahomes on the other side with his best offensive showing ever, ever. Reese, please tell me. Yeah, I, I think it's probably because they're like the shiny new toy. Uh, and Jalen Hurts, this is his first good season. So I think they're excited there's somebody new popping up. I think there's probably some Chiefs fatigue to throw into there. Uh, Sirianni's part of that overrated McVay tree, isn't he, that I've talked about? Or is he part of the Shanahan bunch? Sirianni's from the Todd Haley tree. He's from the Todd Haley tree? Oh, yeah, no, he's been other places, but I'm just, I'm just, I'm just bringing it up. Oh, he was, oh, hold on, he, he was, uh, he was the Colts offensive coordinator 2018 to 2020, that's what I was thinking of. Excuse me. Okay. okay, so Nick Sirianni's got some coaching skills. I'll, I'll admit to that. Armando, get us back on track here. I'm just like so blown away that he was our wide receivers coach <laughs> in, in 2012, which was our absolute worst season of all time. So you're saying that the the national media sees the Eagles as the shiny new toy. They have Nick Sirianni, who's he's not even like a he's not even a uh, NFL nerd, right? He's been around for a very very long time, like you said. But then you have a guy like Jalen Hurts who again is is the rising star a great mobile quarterback that can also throw eh, we'll see about that but again I, I just don't see why this game is not or why the national media does not see this game as close as as they are seeing it right now like I said as they're seeing it there's about 30 analysts on national media specifically ESPN ESPN just put out an article and I saw all the analysts that are picking the the Eagles and it's a lot of them Reese and I I really don't understand like even if you don't listen or watch the Chiefs as specific as we do I still don't see what the argument is as to like how this Eagles team is better I mean I guess for one thing, too, they were a threat to run the table at one point prior to that Washington game where they just kind of pooped the bed. You know, it was, that was the one game where they were really locked down for on offense for a, a good portion of it, and they couldn't slow down. Taylor Heineke, of all people, it was so weird. Let him drop 32 on him. Uh, but, you know, had had Jalen Hurts not gone down, you know, the rest of that, the back nine of that schedule was Indianapolis, Green Bay, Tennessee, New York, Chicago, Dallas, New Orleans, New York. You know, that's a pretty, a pretty milk toast schedule, if I may say so myself. So I know you can only play the teams that you're given to play in front of you, but I think just the way they've kind of beaten down what was a second place schedule, I believe, this year, and then had what is, I honestly think you could say empirically this is the easiest path to a Super Bowl of all time I think just being able to run roughshod through all of that has allowed them to kind of create this illusion of grandeur around the Eagles but that's just me so Reese I'm gonna so now now let's get into the specifics I'm gonna read all the quarterbacks that have played against the Eagles defense since week 13 or December 4th so that's what two months ago Ryan Tannehill Malik Willis Daniel Jones Tyrod Taylor Justin Fields, Nathan Peterman, Dak Prescott, Andy Dalton, Taysom Hill, Davis Webb, Brock Purdy, Josh Johnson, and don't forget a couple throws by Christian McCaffrey. And if we so if we look at all those quarterbacks, the one quarterback that we can say is pretty solid was Dak Prescott. Well, Dak Prescott scored over 30 points against that Eagles defense. 
Okay, so we so one of the arguments that national media is bringing up is that this Eagles defense is built different, right? Particularly their front four and their and their cornerback play has been pretty good. But Reese, I I just read twelve quarterbacks that are below mid, right? If if I want to use the the, uh, the 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 kids language, oh yeah, right, just subpar. Like Nathan Peterman's on this list, man. So when I say fool's gold, this is one of the big reasons. Reese is have they faced a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes? No, they have not. Where would you put Dak Prescott in the in the realm of quarterbacks? Right, we would put Patrick Mahomes number one. We would put Dak Prescott. I don't know, fifteenth, twelfth. I mean, yeah, I'd probably say he's maybe fringe number 10 at best. Right. And, and, and even and one, one thing, and then I'll let you go. So if we were to uh, give him the benefit of the doubt, we put Dak Prescott the 10th best quarterback. He put up 33 points against, against this Eagles defense, right? Mm-hmm. And this Eagles defense hasn't played some of the best. They haven't played Josh Allen. They haven't played Joe Burrow. They haven't played Justin Herbert. They haven't played Patrick Mahomes. Um, I think Aaron, they did play Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers put 30 plus points on them. Look, all I'm saying is that if you are going to emphatically make this Eagles team a shoe in for the Super Bowl, at least acknowledge that since week 13, this Eagles team hasn't played anybody. And when they play someone, they get in trouble. You know, that's very true. It's just looking up and down their entirety of their schedule. It's it's kind of like you said, the best quarterbacks on here are Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers, who had nobody to throw to and fell off a cliff and still put up 33 on him. You know, common opponents include Davis Mills, okay, who cares, Trevor Lawrence, but the Trevor Lawrence they played week four is entirely different than the Trevor Lawrence that existed in the back part of the season that we saw. Yeah, you know, like you said, we got Justin Herbert twice, we got Joe Burrow twice, we got Josh Allen once, we got Tom Brady this year. Well, at least when we played the, the 49ers, you know, we got Jimmy Garoppolo, who's better than, like you said, Christian McCaffrey or literally noodle arm Brock Purdy under center. No disrespect. <laughs> or Josh Johnson throwback. Yeah, right. So I, I, I really don't know. I think the Eagles play such a downhill style of football, not too dissimilar from the yeah. Bills in the sense that their entire strategy exists on getting up like two scores really quick, you know, get up 10 points really quick and then just like run the ball all game to eat clock yep. and make them play catch up. And when you're playing all these, you know, little brother of the poor quarterbacks all year long, you can afford to do that because Daniel Jones isn't tossing you out of a 10 point hole. You know, Brock Purdy with one arm isn't throwing you out of a 10 point hole. Kyler Murray's not doing that. I, I think that's kind of what's made the Eagles this year. And that's why I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens when they play another elite quarterback for only really the third time this year. Reese, do you know what the formula you just said, right? Getting ahead in the game and then just kind of containing the game. Do you know who that sounds like? Who does it sound like? Like a couple of years ago, it sounds like the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. Right. And and you and I talked about this in the podcast even a, a year ago, right? What was one of the things that you know, might be the Bills' downfall, it was going to be that they really didn't have any tests during the year because they they were beating people 47-7, to 45-5, right? They they weren't in a lot of games where, where you had to change the game plan, where you had to air it out continuously, where you couldn't just dump it off to, you know, Boston Scott and uh, gain, Kenneth Gainwell, 
and Miles Sanders, where you really had to make a play in the fourth quarter, where it feels like Jalen Hurts hasn't had to make a play in the fourth quarter, right, to keep everybody in. So I think that's also a really good point to make, Reese, is that when it comes to being tested, particularly in the fourth quarter, that hasn't happened to this Eagles team and it hasn't happened in the playoffs. That's another thing is like, you know, people say, okay, well, this this team, you know, is getting experience in the playoffs. Are they? Are they? They just blew out the Giants and they blew out the 49ers. Have they really been playoff tested? Has Jalen Hurts been playoff tested? Has Nick Sirianni been playoff tested? I'm going to say no on that. So the first time that they get punched in the mouth, how are they going to respond to that? And I don't think anybody can answer that. Um, but I'm I'm going to say that like it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy when you get punched in the mouth by Patrick Mahomes. Um, so I think that's a really good thing to bring up. One other thing I want to bring up is to stay on the defense, Reese, then I'll let you go. Um, the reason why the people love this Eagles defense is because they get to the quarterback pretty quickly Sometimes just rushing four, but also they're very good at blitzing as well. Well, guess what, Reese? The Patrick Mahomes of two years ago was awful at this. He was awful under pressure and was awful when blitzed. But Patrick Mahomes in this offense has changed tremendously. And this year, Reese, Patrick Mahomes has the most touchdowns in the NFL this season when under pressure. He also has the highest passer rating when blitzed. So I think Patrick Mahomes is also ready for a defense like the Philadelphia Eagles particularly because I think one of the biggest matchups is going to be Andrew Wiley up against some of those really good um, edge rushers that the Eagles have. And then we've also, you know, seen some regression from Orlando Brown Jr. So some people will say, well, of course, you know, they're going to lose because Patrick's on a hobbled, you know, hobbled ankle and he can't play under pressure. Patrick Mahomes is built for this race. I think Patrick Mahomes is ready for this moment. They're going to be ready for pressure. They already know they have some weakness on both sides, and I think he's going to get the ball off quick, and he's been doing it the best of anyone this season. So give me Patrick Mahomes with a high ankle sprain. That's actually, it's been improving. Andy Reid says he's not 100%, but he's ready to go. So again, I don't see the argument. I think this will be one of the games that, our defense actually has to win for us in the sense of, okay, so the receiving core is completely decimated. Hopefully they're getting better, but you know, Nicole Hardman's on IR. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is not going to be hundred percent in his ankle. So we cannot let him get crushed. We can't rely on this offense to dig us out of this hole. So defense, you have to do enough to keep this close that the offense can muster maybe 24 to 27 points. And that has to be enough. I don't think this is going to wind up being a shootout. We can't afford to let it go into a shootout. Because, you know, our gun is dirty and has been jamming as of the last two games. So I think that's going to be a big thing going into this game is kind of like everything on the Eagles. This Eagles offensive line could be all time. Okay, can you point to the defenses they've really muscled around that are really good defenses? No? Okay, cool. Well, this they lead the league in sacks. <laughs> okay, great. Well, we talked about this in the podcast a few weeks ago on how the better the quarterback you play, the less sacks they're generally going to take. You know, you got some sack-taking sponges that you listed earlier on in quarterbacks they've played, as well as, again, what kind of murderers row steel curtains of offensive lines are they really playing from the Saints, who I believe are over the salary cap, as well as Washington and Pittsburgh and all these other scrubs this year. So it's really hard to tell going into this game, man. Yeah, I, I think you bring up a good point on their offensive line. So why don't we transition into there? And, um, and once I finish my take, if you want to go back to the defense, we can. But yeah, why don't why don't we address this Eagles offense? 
So this Eagles offense, by the way, Reese, is the same offensive line that we whooped last year. Remember when when we played the Eagles? People, again, a thing that the national media is not bringing up. We didn't play them this year. We whooped their ass last year. And that was Jason Kelsey. That was Landon Dickerson. What is different about this offensive line, right? Okay, Nick Sirianni's here. Cool. Those are the same freaking guys that were there last year. And what makes it different, right? We got to Jalen Hurts a lot. Now, Jalen Hurts is a better quarterback. I get that. That's the same offensive line, Reese. Same exact line. And people are not bringing it up. And that's pissing me off. So we, we go with the blueprint that we had, you know, success with before. But also a thing that we need to bring up is the past couple games. And I kind of brought this up already, but I'm going to bring it up again. Jalen Hurts is struggling with a shoulder injury. And another thing people are not bringing up, Reese, I watched the 49ers game and I watched the Giants game. He threw a past 15 yards, maybe three times total in, in both those games combined. Combined. And albeit some of them were, were really good throws. Um, the, the one that people are bringing up against the 49ers um, that he threw to... Devonte Smith. Devonte made an incredible grab, but it was overthrown. Most of his throws are overthrown. He's got no zip on that ball, and it's not very accurate. Mm-mm. And like I said, ninety-five to ninety-six percent of those plays were were running plays on the ground. Like you said in the beginning of the podcast, when when the Eagles are up, they don't have to throw. And because of Jalen Hurts' injury, which you can see on on those throws, right? Like I said, no zip overthrowing inaccurate throws they they get to mask it because they got three bull rushers in Kenneth Gainwell Miles Sanders and they even use Boston Scott in a couple of those games as well people again people are not bringing up that like this shoulder injury to Jalen Hurts is real and it's still affecting him and you can see it in those passes but people aren't going to talk about it because they blew those teams out they're like ah, whatever they 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 decimated a Daniel Jones offense they decimated a Josh Johnson offense or a Christian McCaffrey you know quarterback led offense are you kidding me? Go back to the tape and see the mechanics. Jalen Hurts mechanics are off. I'm not saying it's like completely off, but I'm saying this is off enough when you have a a team that is very good at your weaknesses. And like you said, Reese, they haven't faced really good defensive lines. Our defensive line is is peaking at the right freaking time. And another thing I want to bring up and then I'll, I'll let you speak, Reese is the the two teams that the Eagles scored less than 20 points against was Arizona Cardinals and the Indianapolis Colts. So shout out to the Colts actually for, you know, doing that to them and to us really this year. Shout out to our guy, the Red Russian Alex Nikolenko. Their defenses are predicated on disguised blitzes, getting pressure not with four but actually getting pressure with the safeties in the corners. Reese, what other defense in the NFL is good at that? Uh, I think Steve Spagnolo is known for dialing up pressures even on times he shouldn't and also having a young core of uh, safeties and cornerbacks that do pretty well in press man. Ding, ding, ding. Reese, this is one of the rare times that I will ever say 
that a Spags defense actually might be the formula to beat this to beat this Eagles team. Now I'm not again I'm not going to say we're going to shut them out. This is again my biggest gripe is that people don't think this is going to be close, and that's what pisses me off. Like I'm not saying that we're going to blow out the Eagles, but I'm saying hey. We got a shoulder injured Jalen Hurts that if you look at the tape, it's real. He's not throwing the ball a lot. He's not good against disguised blitzes. Spags is coming for him. I don't understand it. You know, it's really interesting that you point out that, you know, Jalen Hurts does not fare well against the blitz, which is why it's so important for that offensive line to keep him safe. Because that's what ultimately was such a crux against the Cincinnati Bengals for us was that we could get pressure on Joe Burrow, but Joe Burrow actually does a good job keeping his cool under pressure a majority of the time. You have the film out there and you see it on tape. Jalen Hurts does not do so well under pressure. And yes, the dude can run, but I think he's closer to a Donovan McNabb type scrambler than he is being like Lamar Jackson or Michael Vick. Uh, coming yep. into the NFL, and it still stands to this day, his arm strength is actually semi-questionable. I say he was he's probably closer to the lower side of league average, if anything. So he doesn't have a big old arm that he can throw the ball away or chuck a ball you know, 50 yards down the field to make something happen on the run. So I'm going to be really curious to see if the Chiefs can generate any sort of consistent pass rush on Hurts, if doing that will be enough to throw him off of his groove and kind of force him to make some mistakes that he doesn't normally make. And, and my argument would be like, Reese, what is Jalen Hurts's groove? Like, like, like what, what even is like, like to me, the perfect game script for Jalen Hurts is like you said, they're up 21 to zero and he just hands the ball off quarter two, three and four. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't want to call him a game manager. because I don't want to get labeled that. I call everybody a game manager, but I think he's, and a, he, yeah, he actually, I don't think he's a game manager, but continue. But I, I do think he's a system quarterback and that I don't think he's successful. If you drop him off in a number of other franchises, I just think the Eagles acquired talent this year at, you know, they, they acquired some fantastic talent, both in the draft and the offseason. I got to give it to him, but he's got two very skilled wide receivers. He has, okay. I know I said stuff about Hayden Hurst. Can we say that Dallas Goddard is arguably oh, a top five yeah, yeah. tight end? I mean, absolutely unquestioned. Sam Sam Kuyper Jr. Could, does have no argument. Dallas Goddard is incredible. Dallas Goddard is really good, and I think he could be a key to this game. And really great in this offense, particularly in this offense. By the way, he, he is. And they also have you know two great running backs. So I mean, he has a bevy of weapons to throw to, and it's just kind of like again, similar to Joe Burrow. It's like do your part and don't screw up. But there have been games where he hasn't played so well and the rest of the team around him has had to step up. For example, Armando, I want to play a little game with you right now. Uh, I'm going to list you off three seasons and I need you to point out which one to me is Jalen Hurts' stat line from this year. Do you have Jalen Hurts' stats oh, wow. in front of you? I have uh, three last games only. Do you okay. want me to... Don't cheat. Don't look at his stats for the season, okay? All right. Minimize... I'm going to give you yards, touchdowns, and interceptions. Number one, okay. 3,500 yards, 15 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Number two. For the entire season? For the entire season. Number two, okay. 4,000 yards, 26 touchdowns, five interceptions. Okay. Number three, 
3,700 yards, 22 touchdowns, six interceptions. Can you identify to me which of those three was Jalen Hurts near quote MVP season this year? Okay. Um, I'm really good at these because I, I see what you're pointing at. It's going to be A and I can't believe it, but it should be like B. What if I told you A and B were both Alex Smith and C was Jalen Hurts? Say sorry. Say his C stat line one more time. C stats was thirty seven hundred yards, twenty two touchdowns, six interceptions. And you know what pissing me off there is that people still. It wasn't there. A, well, I guess we don't know who's going to win the MVP yet, but we're all assuming it's Patrick Mahomes. But the fact with thirty seven hundred yards that makes you in contention for MVP. I hate that. Hate that. Now, it would be disingenuous of me not to point out the fact that, yes, he did have over 700 yards rushing and an additional 13 touchdowns on the ground. But again, Alex Smith wasn't a slash with his legs by any stretch during his time. He wasn't that good with his legs. But if we're talking about if the Chiefs can slow down that rushing attack and force Jalen Hurts to make mistakes in the passing game, that's primarily what I'm focusing on. I trust that Andy and Spags can come up with a game plan to at least stymie that rushing attack because outside of Josh Jacobs in that first game against the Raiders this year and possibly Devin Singletary when we played Buffalo, there really hasn't been a running back that's really eaten our breakfast this year. Even playing guys like Austin Eckler and going up against San Francisco and all those dudes. So I think that's reason for cautious optimism facing this Philly offense. Yeah, I think you bring up a really good point, Reese. I mean, if uh, and and we can even flip this on its back, right? And this is taking a page out of out of Buffalo Mike's uh, <laughs> Buffalo Mike's handbook. Make the Philadelphia Eagles beat us on the ground, then, right? If we if we take away all their weapons, if uh, by the way, I think Lajarius Sneed was alluding to that he's going to shadow AJ Brown the entire game, which is great. I'm very excited about that. Um, if we take away their weapons. Can can they beat us on the ground the entire game? I don't think so because you got Patrick Mahomes on the other side, right? You can you can take you know a thousand hours you know uh, for seven points, but Patrick Mahomes is going to take two minutes to score a touchdown, right? So it, so that game plan is very very difficult against a Kansas City Chiefs offense. Um, one thing that I want to bring up, Reese, is Jalen Hurts' past three games. So we had the game where he got his shoulder injury. And that was in the very last week against the Giants. He was 20 for 35, 229 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. Only one pass for 30 yards or more, which is great, right? The rest of the game, only one pass over 10 yards other than that 30-yard bomb. Only one. Wow. The, the other 18 passes... We're under 10 yards thrown, Reese. Oh my gosh, for real? I mean, who does that sound like? Joe Burrow. I was going to say Michael Thomas, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Okay, so, and this was pre-shoulder injury, Reese. Pre-shoulder. Now, now let me read to you shoulder injury, Jalen Hurts. Shoulder injury, Jalen Hurts. He has the divisional round against the New York Giants. 16 for 24, 154 yards with two touchdowns. Zero interceptions. 154 yards passing. Do you think that's going to be enough 
to beat the Kansas City Chiefs against a Patrick Mahomes offense? I don't, I don't care if you have Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, and Dalvin Cook on your team. Yeah. You're not going to beat us with 154 yards in the air. Um, again, a very similar game, though, Reese. If we break down his film, he had a 37-yard pass. He had a 17-yard pass. And then the other 14 passes were under 10 yards. Really? Man. 14 passes under 10 yards, one bomb, right? I always say he's got one bomb in him. And then there was that one 15-yard pass. So, you're, so we, we might have some people out there that says, oh, but he destroyed the 49ers, Armando. You don't, no. you don't know what you're talking about. No. All right, let's talk about that 49ers game. 15 for 25. 121 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. Woof. He had... One bomb, one bomb of 25 yards. The rest of the game, he had one for 11 yards. The other 13 passes, under 10 yards. Wow. Well, under so, 10 yards. So one thing I want to point out in this game, too, is that so this is coming from a bleeding heart Iowa fan who has honestly probably a top three defense in the country. But the offense is so bad. There, there comes a certain point in games like that when you could have like the 2000 Ravens as your defense. But if there is absolutely zero offensive threat at a certain point, the cracks in the dam keep showing up and just the cavalry's not coming at a certain point and the defense just quits. So I know the 49ers have a really good defense coming into that game, but with zero threat of 49ers offense, not even from a fourth string, like 15 year veteran quarterback, but from having no quarterback, I mean, at that point, it's like you were just playing a game plan not to get injured because you were going to win that game. There was no way you were not going to win that game. You could put your third string quarterback in and you're winning that game. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's the thing. Like, I think that's an argument that people can say to us and say, well, they, they didn't have to throw. But at the same time, guess what? What happens when you get punched in the face? What are you going to do? Because you haven't been punched in the face for a very, very long time. The last time he got punched in the face was against Dak Prescott. Do mm -hmm. you do you think Patrick Mahomes punch even with a high ankle sprain that he's looking like he's like eighty to ninety percent on? Do you think it's going to sting as bad or worse? Probably going to sting worse than Dak Prescott's punch that he gave you, which was again over thirty points. There. One other thing I want to bring up, and then let's go into some beer news, Reese. We talked about, right, so Jalen Hurts is on this trajectory of not even 200 yards throwing recently. Well, we got a guy named Trent McDuffie, right? I already alluded to Legere Sneed's probably going to be shadowing A.J. Brown. So that means Trent McDuffie and uh, probably Jalen Watson, they're going to be looking at Devontae Smith and probably seeing a little bit of uh, Dallas Goddard like we talked about. Six games without Trent McDuffie, our opponents have had four 300-yard games on in the air. Mm -hmm. Since Trent McDuffie has been back, the 13 games that he's been back, Reese, yep. zero 300-plus yard games from any quarterback. And Ooh. we're talking Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. I don't even know who else. I mean, we, we had a tough schedule, right? We're, this, isn't, this wasn't no Eagles schedule. We're talking some of the best quarterbacks in the league. Trent McDuffie, Legereus Sneed. Shut these guys down. And now we face a quarterback with a shoulder injury and doesn't even throw that long, maybe throws one bomb a game. Yeah. Again, national media, I'm looking at you. What are you thinking? Why do you think this is going to be a blowout? Listen to this podcast, why don't you? 
I'm fired up, Reese. Anything you want to add before we go into the beer? Yeah, I think you've about said it all. I think there's something to be said that this Eagles team very well could be unbattle tested and could be what I like to call a Mike Tyson or a Ronda Rousey type opponent. Where, yeah, they're really good at like getting their combo in early, getting you on the canvas and getting you on your toes for the rest of the fight. But if you can just withstand that and have the fight drag on into seven, eight, nine, ten rounds, the deeper you go on into the fight, the more you see the big bad wolf starting to suck some air. And you're like, oh, I can win this. They're not used to going this long with someone this good. And before you know it, Buster Douglas is knocking you out in front of everybody in Japan. There, there you have it. Okay, so Reese and I are going to talk about some beer. When we come back, we will talk about some We'll talk about some challenges that the Kansas City Chiefs might have. Where This isn't just like a, we're going to blow these guys out. We'll, we'll talk about the devil's advocate, see what else we have to do, uh, and then we're going to do score predictions. So stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, for our action-packed podcast. Days before the Super Bowl, let's go Chiefs! About one of our favorite sections of the podcast. It is the This Week in Craft Beer, where we talk about what happened in craft beer this week or even this month. We have a really good story that we're going to talk about. Normally, we would do our craft beer review. For those of you that are new to the podcast, we crack open a craft beer and then we talk about it. We rate it. Um, but this week, it's it's been a little tough, right? Reese, Reese is on that stomach bug. I'm deep in rehearsal, so I haven't really had a, a chance to kind of try out some of these beers. I've actually had more bourbon than anything. Um, so we're, we're going to skip the um, skip the review of the craft beer. But we do have a good craft beer story we, we want to bring up today. Um, so we're going to do that. But if you, if you want to hear them, again, go back to our podcast. We've reviewed over 130 beers, probably a little more than that, to check out how we review the beers. And don't worry, we'll be right back at it next week. Reese, let's talk about something today in craft beer. What do you, what do you got for us? This is an interesting story out of New Belgium Brewing Company. Now, for many craft beer drinkers out there, I want you to stop right now and think, what was the first craft beer I ever had in my life? There's probably a good portion of you out there saying Blue Moon. Okay, that's fair. Maybe you said Sam Adams Boston Lager. Okay, also a fair choice. I would guess there's also a fair number of you out there that would say New Belgium Fat Tire was my first step into the craft beer stratosphere. And uh, it's been a long time stalwart and one of the flag bearers of what people would consider the modern craft beer movement. However, sales of the beer have seemingly stagnated. And in one of the, I'd say a large shock to craft beer history, the new Belgian brewing company has decided to rebrand, reformulate, and carbon neutral fat tire. So no longer is it going to be a classic amber ale. It's going to be a crisper, lighter, golden ale, high quality, low impact, carbon neutral, new logo, new colors, new everything. I'm getting vibes of new Coke. Armando. What do you make of this rebrand of such an iconic craft beer? Ew. You know, yeah. I already had some hot takes, Reese, on uh, <laughs> on uh, on Chiefs, and I, I'm going to have some hot takes on Fat Tire, man. Reese, why don't we use the analogy of Perkins? Perkins? <laughs> Perkins, Perkins, the like, you know, the like Denny's. No, I, I, I do, I'm from Iowa. I'm well versed in Perkins. Oh, okay, Thank okay. you. <laughs> so 
imagine um, imagine the Perkins fan base mm-hmm. pre logo change. Okay, they changed you know the Perkins logo. No, no, I'm just I'm just using this as an oh. analogy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, the, uh, Perkins has a specific fan base, and yep. that fan base loves Perkins because it, they are who they are, right? Similarly, people that like Fat Tire like it because it's an easy-drinking amber ale, not because it's anything else, right? So now imagine Perkins, you know, becoming having a sexy logo, right? It's like pink and red with neon lights. Do you think the, the former fan base of Perkins is going to want to go to Perkins, or are they going to say, eh, I'm just going to go to another, I'm going to go to Waffle House instead. Okay, so what you're telling me is, as Perkins is a spot for what they do, New Belgium is now trying to target the demographic of high school students finishing the strike party on their theater production and looking (laughs) for something to do at 12 a.m. before awkwardly trying to make out in a parking lot? Is that what I'm hearing? Not, not not exactly. I'm saying that you had a fan base. Yeah. Even though the fan base is declining, you still have that chunk. Uh-huh. If you change the brand and change everything completely, you're not even serving you know breakfast anymore. You're serving dessert only. Mm-hmm. Right. You've you're then losing the only fan base that you had for this particular thing. Then you're trying to reach out to another fan base that already has loggers they enjoy, already has seltzers that they want to drink. Why would they want to drink something that was formerly named Perkins or formerly named Fat Tire? Just keep the recipe that you have. Invest in marketing, right? It's like (laughs) we brought this up last week. Let's bring it up again. Did did Burger King change the Whopper? Did they did they put in and out uh, mustard and relish in or is it the same recipe? Nope. They just invested in their marketing. Change the way that you sell this product and don't change the actual product because it's pretty freaking good and very successful. So like most people who only discovered this by watching WandaVision, what you're kind of talking about is the ship of Theseus paradox, which is how much can you change fat tire before it still stays fat tire? Is that correct? Correct. Well, I mean, I alluded to new Coke happening back in the 90s, and that was just, I mean, a touch before our time. But I mean, I know it's been 30 years. But you can go back in the history books and you'll see that New Coke went over terribly to the point that they had to rebrand the original Coke as Coca-Cola Classic, and that drove Coca-Cola sales. So maybe they're trying to be so bad on this new rebrand that people call for the old one to come back, and then the old one comes back, and then the, like sales go through the roof? No, I, I feel like with a macro brewery like New Belgium now, I think changing the recipe... <laughs> And then going back to the old recipe to then like trick people is just that's way too much money for them that they wouldn't want to spend. That's fair. Yeah, the the, the biggest craft breweries don't have anything near Coca Cola money. It's not even close. Um, and it's just like why and, and but to your but to your point, like it, it would be like changing Coke to Sprite, like changing to an amber or from an amber ale to just a light lager. That's not the same beer. That's not the same process, right? Like no. those are two different styles and you're changing like like you're changing the Big Mac and you're making the Big Mac into chicken nuggets. Well, one thing you mentioned earlier I wanted to ask your opinion on was I didn't know if you said this in passing and were serious about it, but you described new be- you described Fat Tire as easy drinking amber ale. I don't think I would describe it as an easy drinking beer. 
I think it's hmm. pretty heavy. I mean, not to the sake of like, yeah, gonna... definitely to today's today's standards. You're right. It's not as drinking. Easy yeah, drinking. It, it feels like a beer where you have one and done. You know, it's not if you're at a, a party, you're like, yo, I'm not going to have two fat tires. That stuff is fat, you know, and it makes me feel bloated and it's heavy and I don't want two of those. I mean, even when I was like a younger college drinker, I wasn't reaching for a second fat tire. I was saying, oh, that was nice. So what else they got in there? Oh, Blue Moon or oh, they got a line in Kugels. Oh, great. You know, that's easier to drink. Mm-hmm. So what what do you think about the concept of making it a golden ale? Do you think that's going to go over well? Because I mean, you and I are talking about, you know, the concept of lagers becoming more popular. And I know a golden ale is not a lager, but I would say a golden ale is sort of like lager adjacent in terms of drinkability, lightness, sure. and just like a don't think, just drink style beer. Do you think that's going to help bolster their sales? Prop, you know, probably it will, but not because you rebranded it, just because it's a lager. Like if you put another lager on, like, of course, people are going to be drinking that because it's popular right now. But it still doesn't it doesn't negate the fact that you are you are taking your biggest staple, the most successful beer of your line, and you're making it completely different. Right. Like like that. That isn't going to make this beer just super popular right now. They have a super popular beer and it's doing really well. Right. They have their Voodoo Ranger series, mm-hmm. whether we like it or not. It, it is like the the highest grossing uh, macro IPA right now out in stores right now and i was just looking um fat tire has lost 52.2 percent of volume um in their chain retails nationally but new belgium total reese has gained 58 percent wow that's impressive crazy and and that's and that's solely because of their their voodoo ranger series yeah so again is it necessary for them to rebrand fat tire no because they're doing well as a company it's just I think they're looking at it in the wrong way. They're saying, okay, well, fat tire, like that's it. There's, there's no hope for it. Let's rebrand it. Let's, let's, let's change the recipe, particularly when they're, when they're not looking at the fact that can we bolster marketing on fat tire? Can we bring this back? Can we do commercials like Bud Light and Budweiser and Coors where like, you know, you, you got your dad or your, you know, your grandparents sitting down with a with a ice cold fat tire at a dive bar, you know, and really bring back that nostalgia, right? That that Budweiser is doing really well. I've seen a ton of commercials of of Bud of Bud Light and um, Coors Light, Miller Light. They have some great commercials. Why can't New Belgium do the same and bring it back to this like nostalgic beer? I think one thing that's interesting is they've they've changed a lot of the things. They changed the logo. They changed the the art style. They changed the colors. Oh, yeah, the color. It's completely different. But one thing they didn't change is the name, which I know it's an allusion to a bicycle, but calling something a fat tire, that does not sound like an easy drinking, light, sporty beer <laughs> to me. I mean, it, it sounds... Good ale. Fat Tire always sounded the way it drank, which is kind of a, a deceptively heavy, darker, maltier, bloaty sure. beer. You know, I I wouldn't go as far as to say it was like a porter or I tr- I treated it like a porter, but definitely like in between, you know, in between a Bud Light and in between, a, you know, Guinness, although Guinness is actually very light. Just it, people think it's heavy, you know, so I, I want to point out one comment. I'm going to leave the, the user's name anonymous on this one but i thought this really spoke volumes i want your opinion on it uh this user said i assume the underlying issue is sales have dropped drastically and it's a last ditch to improve them 
Unfortunately, the new just-found-craft-beer-dads-and-moms-going-to-taproom-daycare-every-weekend aren't brand-loyal and don't have much of a reason to drink fat tire with the spoils of hazies, stouts, and fruited sours. Plus, the I'm-better-than-you-and-I-only-drink-lager-now tend to pull people away from an amber. As a parent, I can't believe people drag kids to tap rooms constantly. Okay, so obviously ignore the part about dragging people to tap rooms. But <laughs> I do think there's some credence in what he says in regards to in a current craft beer landscape where you have all those hazy IPAs that are over 50% of the market. You have, you know, crazy adjunct stouts that everyone's going to come in and try. I'm one of them. And you also have fun, funky fruited sours like all the stuff they're putting out at Weldworks. Why would people want an amber ale like Fat Tire? I think it's kind of a, I mean, I don't know if it's cyclical in these regards, but I think it's kind of a uh, obsolete style of beer. What are your thoughts? Yeah, and, you know, we can open up another can of worms and talk another hour about Tank 7 as well, right? It, it, Tank 7 and Fat Tire are very similar in the sense that, like, those styles are not popular. I mean, Saison's and Amber's weren't particularly popular anyway. Mm-hmm. But I think there's something to be said for both of those beers as when it comes to nostalgia, right? When it comes to this was my dad's beer. This was my, you know, mom's beer. This was, you know, my parents' beer. There, there is something to be said for that. And especially when your company was founded on this beer, right? Like this is a, this is not only, this isn't just some amber ale. This is the beer that made this brewery, right? Mm-hmm. New Belgium would be nowhere without Fat Tire. So I feel like you just have to keep it on. Like, I, I bet you're not losing money. You know, yes, your sales have gone down, but that doesn't mean that you're losing money as a whole in the brewery. In fact, like I just brought up, the brewery's actually grown in sales 58% overall in the company. So to keep this beer on, is it really going to like hurt the company? I don't think so. Keep your staple on and like do your best with marketing. Yeah, I thought it was interesting they decided to change the style of the beer as well. I think that's that's pretty bold, ultimately. I think they maybe could have gotten away with just with like a, a rebrand of the label and with the whole low-impact, carbon-neutral kind of stuff. I'm not, I, mean, I don't think brewing a golden ale is that much more carbon-neutral than brewing an amber ale, personally. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> but I, I have to say, I mean, you alluded to Tank 7. You know, you could point to like unfiltered wheat from Boulevard as well, which is like unfiltered wheat is the beer that built Boulevard. And for the longest part of, you know, history, like that was the biggest, most integral part of the portfolio. But as, you know, beer drinking trends have evolved and adapted over the last 10 to 15 years, maybe even longer than that, you know, you don't, you don't see wheat beers that often. And also, you know, like wheat beers aren't that popular. And it's another one of those where like you, you kind of drink one, you're like, oh, that's, that's kind of all I need from that. You know, it's something lighter I can switch to. I, I think. A lot of longtime breweries of this, you know, new generation of mid mid micros, macros, whatever you want to call them, the large craft brewers all have one or two beers that were the baby of their portfolio. But now it's coming to the point where it's like, why are millennials not using napkins anymore? You know, and it's why are millennials not drinking fat tire, unfiltered weed or uh, who made that like anchor steam ale and all those things. So that's just my two cents. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a great subject and something that we'll talk about for months now that, you know, the, unfortunately, no matter what happens on Sunday, the NFL season's over. So we're going to have a lot of talk about about 
a beer coming on later. So stay tuned with all that, ladies and gentlemen. This has been a fun talk with Reese this week in craft beer. And again, if you're new joining us, we normally do a beer review, but it's been a it's been a tough week. So hopefully next week we can celebrate and do maybe a double beer review to make up for it. Do some celebration beer reviews. It'd be really cool. Uh, but I won't jinx it. So we'll see what happens there. Stay tuned. Stay with us. We're going to talk about some things that Kansas City Chiefs need to look out for against the Philadelphia Eagles. And then we'll do our score predictions. Stay with us. <laughs> Wait, did you just invite David? No. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> Wait one second. Am I in? It's the man. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I, I did. I did not approve of this. Uh, okay. This this was going to be a surprise in the live stream on Monday, but because the surprise couldn't oh happen on God. Monday, we we decided to audible oh, and have it happen text, tonight. I got to text Michael. Oh, is Mike Mike getting on here you too? There? No, dude, it'd be great. Well, anyway, were you texting Michael David? How you doing, man? Oh, he froze. This is this is going well. Oh no, we lost him. Well. Yep. Okay, so I guess we're I guess we're just gonna do there. Okay, there he is. Here he's, he's back. All, All right. right. Hopefully this will work. Sweet. Welcome back, my friend. How you doing? Hey, hey, welcome back, David. <laughs> Pretty good. We miss you, dude. Thanks, man. Yeah. How you guys doing? We're chilling. Yep, chilling. Still in Armando. When once once kickoff happens, we have to bring you back to the chat. Uh, no, it's not happening. <laughs> and then, but don't worry. Once the game's over, then we will kick you off the chat. Don't worry. There's just no way that's happening. Um, how you guys feeling? Save for the pod. Save for the pod. Yeah, saving it for the pod. Is this not the pod so, right now? We got you right in the transition segment. Okay. Yep. Okay. Well, Reese, since this is since this is a pleasant, lovely surprise, why don't why don't you lead this segment then? All right. Three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this extra special edition of Fountain City Sports Media. As you just heard in the transition right there, we have been joined by a super special guest. That is the man, the myth, the legend, Philadelphia Eagles correspondent, cheesecake, con- not cheesecake, cheesesteak connoisseur, David. David. I like, hold up. I like cheesecake too. You like cheesecake too? Of course. Okay, where's the best cheese? Okay, can you get good cheesecake in Philadelphia? Is that a thing? Can you get good cheese? I'm, uh, yeah. Because you, you can you, get good anything. You can't in Kansas City. Like, there has to be a store that says cheesesteaks, cheesecake. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, if there is, I don't know of one. I would say that New York definitely has better cheesecake. Okay. Uh, but Philadelphia definitely has better cheesecakes, according to everyone except for uh, Juju. Oh, <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. The funny. So the funny thing about that comment is he's like, the best cheesesteaks aren't even in Philadelphia, and the best number one cheesesteak in the area is in South Jersey. So Wait, he's like not wrong. Really? That's what he said. Yeah, it's called. Yeah, he said. Oh yeah, you didn't hear this. Hmm. He was like, oh yeah. Well, you can look it up. He he was like, yeah, best cheesesteaks aren't even in Philly. And then I think he went on. That's the clip I heard. And then I think someone said that he said that Jersey Mike's has better cheesesteaks than the ones he had in Philly. Oh rip! That's that's pretty yeah, bad. Rip. It's it's also yeah. But then I was what's saying, the, the number one rated big place is Donkeys in Camden, New Jersey, <laughs> which is like technically not in. Yeah, 
That's because it has like Kaiser roll with uh, poppy seeds on it and hot sauce. So it's kind of it's a little different. It's good though. That sounds like beef on weck more than anything. Yeah, I know, but it, they call it a cheesesteak. So, huh? Well, I mean, it sounds like the equivalent of cheesesteak. So, uh, it kind of sounds like the cheesesteak equivalency of what's that like scrub barbecue place in New York? It's like Brontosaurus. Dinosaur barbecue. Yeah, dinosaur. It's right down the street. Right down the street. It's a lot better. So. Um, well, I'm sure Kansas City barbecue is better than any New York barbecue, but there, they have a location in Rochester where they have, uh, they have a whole outdoor portion, which mm-hmm. goes like winter and summer where they have smokers and it's really good. But in New York, it's just all done in a kitchen and they have a B, they've had a B rating for the past like five years for health inspectors. So oh, I don't gosh. go there. Yeah. What? A B rating in New York is pretty bad. Man, because I mean, a B rating at a barbecue joint probably is a good thing, but if it's a New York B rating, that probably means like there are B rats here, so we don't want that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yikes. Well, Armando, I'm going to hand the baton off to you, my friend. Uh, why don't you lead us in some topics of this, at the Super Bowl and what to expect? And we can ask our Philly correspondent what we think is going to happen. I'm, I'm actually going to throw it straight to David because we've already talked about it, and I'm curious. On the Philly side, what what is the argument that Philadelphia will win? Because recently I've been talking for about an hour now saying that national media, most national media and Vegas is also choosing the Eagles. And I'm curious as to why. What is the definitive reason why the Eagles are better than the Chiefs, David? So the line opened at a point and a half for the, for the Chiefs, in favor of the Chiefs. And then, uh, then it kind of seesaw i don't know it kind of swung to philadelphia exactly it's like point and a half two points it's really kind of a pick em. i mean it's not like a point and a half is it's I, you know think about most super bowls the spreads and the betting lines are much larger than that um so as far as like i think there's the eagles have been double-sided this entire year because it's like great record easy schedule and everything kind of revolves around that argument um, I would say the pro for the Eagles is that they have incredible offensive line, incredible defensive line. They have two incredible receivers. They have a good tight end. They have a good running game. And Jalen Hurts can, uh, you know, although not recently, he's not played great since he got hurt. But, you know, he he's he has a history this year of, you know, slinging the ball. So you got a lot of things going for you. Also defensively, like, you know, our secondary with Gardner Johnson and uh, Bradbury and Slay. I mean, it's pretty good secondary, too. You know, so you have, like, there's not really a weakness to the team, per se. It doesn't mean that the Chiefs don't have certain places where they're stronger than the Eagles, which they definitely do. But there's not exactly, like, a weakness. The big weakness on the team is their special teams, because their punter was injured and then they got this I don't even know Sipos was our original puncher and then I don't even know who this other guy was but he was like shanking punts left and right basically so we hope we get Sipos back and then we have this guy Britton Covey who's been pretty inconsistent and like done nothing on receiving but that's kind of like our only serious weakness I would say I think what makes this game good is that both teams it's not necessarily who's worse it's who's better does that make sense? Like, I have a lot of respect for the Chiefs. Like, if I was a Chiefs fan, I'd be like, I would feel confident too. You know what I mean? I think that's why we're going to have a good game. You have Hall of Hall of Fame coach. You have a Hall of Fame quarterback. 
He's got some really nice weapons. You have a Hall of Fame tight end. You have that great left tackle, whatever his name is. I can't remember oh, his gosh. name. Gosh, no, do not do not say he's a great left tackle. Great left tackle. Are you, are you like trolling us right now? Orlando Brown Jr. Oh, it's someone on the offensive line who's like, I mean, he is a pro bowler, so if you're not a Chiefs fan and you just see he's a pro bowler. I was yeah. a pro bowler this year. Everyone's a pro bowler. <laughs> but uh, you know, like I think where I saw this Therese, it's like the best two players on the field are undoubtedly Travis Kelsey and Pat Mahomes. But then I think after, if you're looking at the top 10 players, I think it's mostly dominated by Eagles. So I don't know. I mean, that's, I think that's kind of the pro argument, if that makes sense. But the two best in the game just happen to be also the most important players, you know? Yeah, fair. So recently I kind of talked about this and yeah, I don't mean this to be an argument, but, but the same offensive, it's the same offensive line that we played on October 2021 when we beat you guys, we scored 42 points on y'all. And I know the, the defense is a little bit different and I know Nick Sirianni is new, but uh, again, this is, this may be a different Jalen hurts, but People are praising this offensive line as one of the best in NFL history. We've played them before, and and we, we seem to manhandle them. So let's think about what's happening in 2021. Jordan Maialata, our left tackle, had he'd only, he hadn't played football until two years before that because he was a rugby player. So now he's developed a lot. Lane Johnson, I believe during that game, was out because he was suffering serious depression and he took, I think, I, I believe he was out that game. So, you know, there's your left and right tackle just off the bat who are totally not the same players as they were. Um, I mean, Sam Alu has always been good. He'll continue to be good. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, that's just kind of off the top of my head. Like you have two of the most important players were either not there or nowhere near the level they're at. Sirianni also refused to run the ball that game. He was only he was just trying to get Jalen. This was a big thing that was happening the entire year. He was just trying to get Jalen to throw, 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 and Jalen was not ready to throw, throw, throw. We, you know, the give credit to the 49ers, their sec, their defense is incredible. That's why Jalen couldn't throw on them. I mean, he did miss one open pass to AJ, but we went right to our run game, which Sirianni wouldn't have done last year. At the beginning. So, like, I, I totally understand what you're saying. And, like, the personnel is vaguely mostly there. But it's really just a very different group of people on that offensive line. That's okay. That's I, I will say, though, I think I think Lane did play that game. But you're right. right. In, Impossible. in October, he was like you said, he had the battles of depression, but he only missed two weeks. And we played him at the end of that week at the end of that month. But. But anyway, but you can still make the argument that like he probably wasn't at 100% at that point. Yeah, I don't know. I just like, again, I, I don't want to bash on the Eagles, but I just I just don't understand why national. I know you've brought up that it's a pick game, but at the same time, ESPN analysts like like I can name 30 ESPN analysts that were on this article that I just saw that are picking the Eagles. And I'm just like, why? Why? Especially and, and to the points that you made, right? Jalen Hurts. You know, shoulder injury that like seems to still be bothering him, and like you said, he's he's he hasn't had over 200 yards throwing in the past couple games. Again, he might not have had to because they're blowing people out, but it seems to be an issue. The shoulder. I I think that the media had Mahomes not hurt his ankle, it the Chiefs probably be the line would probably be three for the Chiefs. I was on Broad Street celebrating, so I didn't get to watch the whole. <laughs> Bengals 
Chiefs game. You climbing poles? Look, I have videos. Not me. Um, I don't like. I didn't see how his ankle was, but it seemed like he was playing. Like he had, he was limping a little bit, but he was basically fine. Also, he's Patrick Mahomes. Like, he's not someone you want to under underestimate. So my my I, I mean I think the teams are basically like they're pretty comparable. I I really believe that. I I can't like I feel confident the Eagles are winning because I have you know they're my team. I feel good about them, and you know for some of the other reasons I mentioned, I think that they have just a really stacked roster, and that's something you can do when. I think Mahomes is making what fifty million a year, forty five million, something like that. I uh, yeah, they restructured it, but I, I think he's only making like thirty five million. One Jalen Hurts is making one million dollars this year. Wow! So that's what you can do when your quarterback is one million dollars. You get you can and you actually have had some pretty good drafts. So you know, I think what it is going to come down to, and this is where it's going to get interesting. I think it is going to come down to coaching. So I am very familiar with Andy Reid for obvious reasons. Something you're going to want to watch out for with him is, is he going to play aggressive enough? And how is his game man- and how is his time management game management skills? Because those are two issues which Reid has had throughout his entire career. Also, is he going to run the ball? Is he going to run the ball more? I mean, Mike's not going to want to hear that, but <laughs> that's like... That the Eagles can win that way. Uh, Mike Mike doesn't listen to this podcast. Don't worry. Well, that's good. Um, <laughs> but you know, like, is he going to run the ball if if the you know if our secondary you know kind of has a lock on what's going on? I, I don't know. He, do, he it's nothing he's done in the past. So is he going to make adjustments in the game? Sirianni, but at the same time, Andy Reid has I think twenty one playoff wins, which is like a crazy number. And Nick and has all this experience. Sirianni is young gunner. He's going to be much more aggressive. I think that Sirianni is actually a better game manager than Andy Reid. I do think that he he very rarely will burn a timeout unless it's actually needed. And that's kind of what these games come to when they're close. Is you know, do, do you have enough timeouts to you know do a two minute drill at the end? You know, uh, are you you know are you being conscious of how fast or slow you're moving the ball? That's not where Reed excels. That is kind of actually where Sirianni excels. But again, Reed has so much more experience. This is now his fourth Super Bowl that he knows how to prepare. He knows how to to get ready for these games. So, you know, like th- that's kind of how I feel about this whole game. Is like anything you say positive about one team, you're gonna look at the other team and you're gonna be like. Right, but also they have this. I mean, that's how evenly matched I, I feel the game is. Yeah, I think it's a pretty fair assessment. I, I don't have any qualms with what he said. I think you're correct in if we don't get the running game going, if Isaiah Pacheco is playing the way he is playing in the past couple of weeks, we're probably in trouble. Uh, because like last last game, he didn't get the running game going, and like that third and fourth quarter looked really dire for Patrick Mahomes. Of course, he got it done, but if we if we can't get that going, then I think Patrick Mahomes is probably in for some trouble, and we'll see how Andy Reid, you know, game manage game manages at that point. I don't know if if I can crown Sirianni as a better game manager, especially with the experience and the two playoff games that he's played recently to like crown him over Andy Reid. Because uh, you, like you said, you got to respect the twenty-one games. But I mean, I definitely agree with you on the on the running game. If if we don't get that going, then Andy and Pat can be in trouble. Well, the thing I like about Sirianni and the problem with Andy is that Sirianni is willing to go to plan B is willing to go to plan C is willing to go to plan D in my experience with Andy Reed, 
he really wants plan A to work. Um, mm-hmm. And okay. that's a that, that's a challenge. And it's not that it hasn't. And the thing is, it's like worked for him. Obviously, he's going to the Hall of Fame. But mm-hmm. you want some like that's the thing is like I'm not if you tell me that Jalen Hurst is going to throw for under 200 yards, I'm still going to be like, OK, well, I think we could still win. Wow. I, I just feel that because we have a great I mean, because against Patrick Mahomes huh? against Patrick Mahomes, it's that yeah. I do because I think because he can run. And we have a great offensive line. So I think that a lot of, th- and we have a good defense so we can get shorter fields. I, I would be surprised, but it's not the craziest thing. If Patrick Mahomes doesn't throw for over 200 yards, I feel like the Chiefs are definitely going to lose. And that's because I don't see there being enough variance in game, like Andy Reid's game planning. So that's kind of why I have a feel, like feel a little bit more confidence. Cause like if this does, if like this doesn't work, we have, you know, this can work, you know, like if the throw, if the throwing passing game doesn't work, I think our running game can work. I mean, Kenny Gainwell's out there running against the top defense. Do you know who Kenny Gainwell is? Of course. I know who Boston Scott is. Right. Boston, like they're running because our offensive line is, you know, killing. So, do you see what I'm saying? It's like, I feel like we have a little bit more versatility, but Kansas City has much more firepower in the passing game, which can open, which can, you know, be the end all be all anyway. Here's a question for you. Who would you liken this Eagles team to from teams past? Not necessarily Eagles teams past, but just teams past. What do you mean? Like, who would I put on the roster? No, I mean, like, who would you compare this team to? Like, if I, I like last week, I compared the Cincinnati Bengals offense to the greatest show on turf minus the quarterback position. Just in terms of, like, the firepower they had, having, like, a very solid, reliable, but not outstanding defense. Like, yeah. who, who does this Eagles team remind you of? That's a really good question. Um, hmm. I, I can tell you, for me, it sounds... Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, what were you going to say? What were you going to say? No, no, no. I didn't have anything yet, so I'm curious what oh, you were going to say. I was going to say, for me, it sounds not too dissimilar from the San Francisco 49ers team we played in the Super Bowl a few years ago, except for the fact that Jalen Hurts might not quite be as precise of a passer as Garoppolo, but he's got wheels that Garoppolo doesn't have. Yeah, I think what the Eagles, uh, it's a hard, it's a hard team to compare them to because they've had such also unique road to get here with Carson. Like the Eagles were, you know, one of the worst teams in the league two years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, last year we barely made the playoffs. They we just made the playoffs because they added the extra slot, mm-hmm. and the turnaround has been so quick from like Carson Wentz like doo doo to like you know <laughs> Jalen Hurts being probably going to finish second in MVP voting. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of hard to, I mean, you, you have to compare it. If you would have to compare it to a team, you'd have to compare it to a team that had a quarterback on a rookie deal, because that's, that's really kind of what's, what's making a lot of things tick right now. Yeah, like but, Patrick Mahomes first Super Bowl. There we go. Yeah. Yep. Well, yeah. Well, okay. So here's another question then. Uh, which team do you think is better? This Eagles team or the one that won in 2018 with Nick Foles under center? Definitely this team. Really? Um, yeah. I mean, who were... You won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles uh, against Tom Brady. I'm just saying. Yeah, but like, okay, who were our who were our receivers? I couldn't tell you that, to be honest, but Nelson Aguilar. Right. Brandon Marshall. Nelson Aguilar. <laughs> Torrey Smith. Uh, Dal- or not Dallas Goddard. Hurts. No, Zach Ertz. So he's our, Zach Ertz was our best receiver at tight end. Half the team was hurt. Yeah. I mean, it was a miracle. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um... This team has AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, uh, Jordan Mailata, you know, just like, I mean, our 
uh, Garner Johnson, Bradbury, Slay. We have we have a lot of pretty good pieces. I mean, Jordan Davis hasn't been playing great, but he actually has shown up in some important games. We I don't know. This team is just has a better roster. That team had magic. That's fair. Yeah, I mean that Nick Nick Foles magic. You can't you can't beat that. But this is definitely a more talented team. Oh, Alshon Jeffrey. He was. Oh, yeah. He's he's the standout and played that entire postseason on a torn rotator cuff, which is amazing when you think about some of the catches he made. Yeah, which well, and I mean, don't you feel that the what was it twenty twenty. 2019 Chiefs are better than this year. I actually don't. I think if you lined nope. them, I think if you lined them up and they were both 100 percent healthy, I think this team might wax the the 2022 without Tyreek Hill. Yes, I think the offense is better yeah. without Tyreek Hill. I really do. Our our 2019 defense was trash. <laughs> I don't know how yeah. we won. I don't that, know how just, we that won. That sounds to me being like hot takey <laughs> here. Like we we've been saying that since the beginning of the year. There was the potential of like losing one safety valve all star and like having a bunch of like. B plus dudes would be better for ball distribution, which I think has worked out. I don't think we're as quick strike as we were back then necessarily. I don't think we're pulling jet chip wasp out of our rear ends, but I think Patrick is better at distributing the ball and not being so reliant on spam Kelsey spam Tyreek as he, as he used to be. How do you, so how do you feel about the Chiefs' secondary? Do you think that they'll be able to go up against, you know, two pretty explosive receivers and also don't forget Quez Watkins, who is pretty fast. He's not a he doesn't have great hands, but he definitely has the potential to sneak under a secondary to make a few big plays. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that's a pretty easy answer for me. Like, absolutely, because we just played the Bengals that had, uh, you know, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, Hayden Hurst, which is a better group than you guys. You guys are good, but I mean, that Bengals offense is incredible, and that's a really good receiving core. We're throwing picks left and right. Jalen Hurts does not throw a lot of picks. Is uh, well, this he is three, he threw so uh, Burrow threw three picks last game that took sure. almost nine games to throw three picks. Yeah, but uh, but also if you if you look at like how they throw the ball and like where they're throwing the ball, Jalen Hurts isn't throwing bombs all the time. Jalen Hurts maybe converts like one twenty plus, especially with the shoulder injury right now. He's converted in the past couple of games only one twenty plus yard throw each game so i also don't see jalen hurts being like super superior to uh, to joe burrow that would take us another hour if we want to debate who's a better quarterback joe burrow or jalen hurts but no i think i think they have a better receiving core we played extremely well we're peaking at the right time i know that la jarius sneed is going to shadow aj brown and then we're probably gonna have trent mcduffie on Devonte smith and and we'll and we'll make Watkins beat us, you know. Let's let's force whatever his name is, Watkins, to win the Super Bowl. Um. So if you were the Eagles, let me let me throw it back at the hosts. How would you scheme to beat the Chiefs? Ooh. I would say a combination of run the ball and throw it short underneath. I think I would make Dallas Goddard my main receiving target. I think he might be a matchup issue because our only linebacker that's really good in coverage is Willie Gay Jr., and he got kind of dinged up last game. And I think our only second... Well, we could put Justin Reed on him, who's been deceptively good, because ever since that first Cincinnati game where he got clapped, he's like really batting down the hatches. 
So he could maybe Shadow Goddard, otherwise would have to pull Legeria Sneed out of the secondary to play more of that slot role against Goddard. And then that kind of opens up the deep ball a little bit more for AJ Brown. So yeah, I But you but you would rather but uh, but as a you think that you would rather take a chance on the deep ball and give up more of these No, you're saying the opposite. I'm not saying the opposite. If I was Philly, I would attack the Set Chiefs like the with ball. the run and nothing like but dink yeah. and dunks, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, same. Yeah, I, I mean as as a Chiefs fan, I know that the Chiefs' weakness is the run defense and also a quarterback that can run. Like, if you think of, like, what quarterbacks have beat us, it's Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. And what are they good at? Josh Allen's really good at scrambling, and Joe Burrow's really good at checkdowns. So, like, that's kind of, you know, that that's the one thing that'll give Jalen Hurts is that his MO is our weakness. Like, if he does implement the checkdowns, and that goes really well. But he can also run, and, like, we don't have any protection on him if we play a soft zone. Like, like they can they can do some damage. I just don't know if he's going to do a lot of damage on the deep ball. The one thing I'll say about Jalen Hurts, and I think it's different than being a game manager, but uh, because I think that he has some pretty explosive talent, which is developing right now. Um, but he, one of the things I really think works in Jalen Hurts' favor is one, the moment doesn't get too big for him, and two, what that means is that he's. If there's not something there, he's not taking it, right? And I think that, um, like you're saying, like that kind of if, if if the Eagles' path to victory are checkdowns, run plays, and RPOs, that to me bodes well because it's like okay, you're giving him low risk situations, is you know, which is kind of how he functions. It's just like he basically creates low risk situations, and when he throws the ball deep. It's kind of an like he doesn't have any pick sixes. I'm pretty sure this year, like he's he's not throwing them in a way where if anything were to happen, he's minimizing risk there. He's just kind of like a risk minimizer, if that makes any sense. Which yeah, no, totally. Which I guess is like kind of a game manager, but I think he also has some skills which are beyond that as well. Yeah, right. I kind of gave the same assessment to Joe Burrow to be honest. I said Joe Burrow's best skill, besides having those wide receivers he had, was like not playing bad. And I think that does go yeah. a long way, especially if you have a it good defense a long, like Philly does. It goes a long way when plan A is not working. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because yep. like, that's just kind of the game sometimes. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's like, all right, I'm playing a really good defense, which he's going to play. I may get, you know, I may get a few chances to throw the ball deep. One of those may open things up in the future. Like those plays can exist. But like, basically, if that's not working, I know how to move the ball down the field safely. I know how to hold on to the ball. I know how to convert third and four, third and five, third and, you know what I mean? Like third and mid. To, to me, that that's kind of like how he wears down defenses in a way, right? Mm-hmm. Keeps one of those. All right. Well, why don't we wrap it up, though? Let's do score predictions. David, why don't you go first? Tell us what the score is and why the score is that way. Uh, Eagles, 31. Chiefs, 21. Whoa! Why Chiefs? I'm curious. Why Chiefs twenty one? I I think I'm I'm higher on my defense than you guys are. So meaning that you are you're pretty confident that you're going to stop Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. So you are predicting like a under two hundred game then, baby, or about two hundred yards game for for Patty? No, I mean, I don't know. I didn't think about that aspect. I mean, I'll throw the ball, but I think that Eagles are good at turning the ball over. You know, I think we're gonna have a lot of turnovers. I, that's just how I feel. All right. Yeah. So somewhere in that R- range. Reese, 
I'll go next because I'm going to flip it right on David. I'm predicting 31-21 Chiefs. Oh, baby. Listen, totally, totally plausible. It, it can totally happen. I think I, I think, I think, Jalen Hurts scores zero touchdowns. I think, well, throwing touchdowns, he might get one on the ground, and then maybe a couple, like Kenneth Gainwell has a really good game, and maybe Miles Sanders, but that's it. I don't think... I don't think he throws just like he didn't throw one against the 49ers. Zero TDs. I'm going to say one X factor no one's talked about in this game, and I am very sincere when I say this, is the officiating crew led by Carl Sheffers. Yeah, I've heard about that. And like, I'm not trying to hedge my bets here. I did do an entire episode in Carl Sheffers' history with the Chiefs, which is tangible, empirical, and has issues going back to 2017 when Travis Kelsey badmouthed him. And there's been a steady decline in his quality against us since. So I think Carl Sheffers could potentially want to take this game over. I'm dead serious. But if we're going to talk an all things equal game, I think if this Philadelphia team is as advertised and Patrick Mahomes is hobbled with his ankle and our receiving core gets banged up again, I could see it being like 31-17 Philly. I think if Whoa. I think if Philadelphia is a result of their schedule and maybe a little more glittering than gold, then I could flip that score and say I think it's going to be 31-21 Chiefs. So I think I think it's going to be one of those two things and see I'm going to play both sides because that way I always come out ahead. <laughs> I mean <laughs> you got you got to pick one, Reese. You got to pick one? Uh, uh okay. you can pick your team. You can be a homer, pick your team. No, uh I, dude, I think Chef Dog is seriously going to insert himself into this game. I'm going 31 17 Eagles. Well, wow. Yeah. Wow. I listen, I appreciate the honesty. Yeah. No, I, I really I did. Think you, that. I'm going to send you, I, I actually haven't listened to it, but there's a, there's a rules analyst named Dean Blandino. Have you seen this video yet? No, uh, but I no. know who he is. So Dean, Dean Demblino like addresses the like Carl Sheffers issues, and apparently it's, like someone posted, they're like, "Hey, don't worry about Carl Sheffers. They've addressed the issue." I haven't, I haven't seen the video, but he was a part of one of the interviews, so I'll have to look at it. So apparently, again, I, I this is speculation, but apparently, like the they're already on it, like they're already on Carl Sheffers, and they're already addressing him before the game. So just want to bring that up. That's interesting. I hope it's the case because Ryder Goodell has told the media today the officiating's as good as yeah, it's been. the best it's ever been. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, we'll see. <laughs> That's never going to, wow. doesn't matter how good the officiating is, that comment's never going to go over well. <laughs> Very good point. So we had, we have three separate hot takes, all different scenarios for different reasons. Uh, but looks like we don't think this game is going to be close in any direction. So we'll have to see what happens, ladies and gentlemen. David, thank you for joining us on Found City Sports Media. You know, no matter what happens, you know, even if the Eagles win, we hope. You have a great celebration. Send us videos of people, you know, running into poles or running into subways or whatever happens in Philly. Are are you going to be in Philly or are you in New York right now? I'm going to be in New York. Okay. okay. Are you going to if if the Eagles win? Are you are you taking a subway or a train? However the hell you get to Philly, you going right down there to celebrate? I'm going to go to the parade. It's a good call. Did you go to the last parade? Yes. Nice. Can't miss them. I was there for I was there for Kelsey and his. Uh, his mummer's outfit. Are you listening to the New Heights podcast? Uh, no, I just well, I just listened to the highlights on Twitter. Okay, we we thought our podcast is long. Their last one they they did with our mom and dad was two hours and forty five minutes. Boo! It's like Wait, Joe Rogan. 
<laughs> I got a question. Are their parents divorced or something? Like, they only talk about... I don't think so. Okay, because I mean, they, they could only be, talk about know. Kelsey's mom. Like, their mom. Yeah. It's like, like their dad is like, you know, it's like everything is a picture of whatever her name is, Miss Kelsey, and her sons, but like, they don't ever, like, I don't know. Uh, well, the, the, uh, no, I think they're, they're married because I've, I've seen recent interviews like, like as of today from the dad and he talks about the mom in the interview. The mom is right now at Media Day and he's not at Media Day. So I don't know if that is a point of contention, but. Hmm. I don't think so. I, I think the mom, I just didn't know. I just didn't know if the dad wasn't in the picture because I never see him anywhere. I mean, they, they talk about Ed Kelsey. Oh in no, the yeah, I, I, they 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 just interviewed him today at uh, in, in Good Morning Football. It was good. Yeah, good. they always talk about how they get like their facial hair from him, but I think Mama Kelsey's just like the sexier story for the media because you know it's the mom and these are my two six foot five boy baby boys. You know, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's a really good story. It but. is. Anyway, all right. Well, thanks, thanks for listening. Hopefully, because David was on, we we get some Philly some Philly contingents on. So tell all your Philly friends, man. Uh, but this was Fantasy Sports Media. I'm Armando. That's David. That's Reason. We'll see you next time. Sorry, David, but how about them Chiefs? All right, go birds. See you guys. We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at fountaincitysportsmedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. Fountain City Sports Media.